What up? This is Dart Adams, and this is episode 78 of Dart Against Humanity. So, I believe today is day 70 of quarantine for me. Um, One of the things I did recently is that when you're in your home straight and you can't leave the house and you've been there for over two months, you start looking around at your apartment and realizing that there are things in this apartment I need to fix and change and clean because I can't leave the house. I can't go out to events. I can't go out to concerts. I can't go to shows. I can't go to meetings. So I don't have that excuse that I usually have of why certain things in my apartment can stay the way they do because I'm never really here long enough or I'm here writing and working. I get projects done now And then I have downtime and I'm like, okay, I can only watch everything on Netflix. I can only watch so much stuff on Hulu. I can only uh, find stuff online to watch because I don't sleep. So I can only read so many books and do or find research to do for stuff I'm not going to write for another two to three months, realizing that I did research for them six months ago. So I start looking around in my surroundings and I'm like, yo, I could fix some stuff, change some stuff, get something new. Because it's not like I'm spending money on other things because I'm not going out. I'm not traveling. I'm not doing this stuff. So I just, you know, I don't have the expenses other people have. I don't have a mortgage. I don't have kids. I don't have a car. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to do upkeep on certain things. I live a pretty within the means life. Because I lived in poverty for a long time as a writer before I figured out that there's no way I could survive on just writer money. I need to figure out other things to do. Then when I start figuring that out and I live the way I live, I'm like, yo, I'm okay. Other people would die making the money I make, you know, because, again, they have so much overhead. I paid off my student loans before I turned 30. You know, I have zero debt. So I live a lifestyle that, you know, people in their 40s don't. That being said, I'm looking around and I'm like, you know what? Again, I live like on a budget. I live pretty frugally. And I'm like, yo, I haven't had a new TV in 10 years. The TV I had, I bought in May 2010. And it's been in my apartment. I was like, yo, let me get a new TV. I'm not going to spend a shitload of money on a new TV. So what I do is I do what everybody else does. I'm on Twitter all the time. I see Fat Kid Deals. Fat Kid Deals is a 50-inch TV for a damn good price. I'm like, I can make that writing one piece for somebody. Like, I got that. So I ordered the TV. And of course... With everybody being quarantined and sheltering in place, what happens is you order something from a spot, you get told when it's coming, and it comes two, three days later. Like, you're waiting for it. I was waiting for it on Monday, and they're like, nah, we was fucking with you, fam. It's not coming on Monday. Nah, 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 dog. Like, maybe Wednesday. So I go to the site directly, and they're like, fam, it's coming on Thursday. But they say Thursday by 9 p.m., So I'm checking the update to see where it is. Is it here? 
It's in Indianapolis. It's still in Indianapolis. It's still in Indianapolis. It updates. It says it's in Massachusetts. What town in Massachusetts? All right, so it's closer in Massachusetts. It's closer in Massachusetts. It's on the truck. It's being delivered. It'll be there by 9 p.m. So I don't want to not be here when it comes because everybody's home. So the delivery protocol is very different and everybody's uh, trying to keep social distance. So the delivery people will drop something off and then run because they don't want to see you or they'll buzz and run. Back in the days when they did that, you'd be like, hey, hey, the fuck? Now we get it. Nobody wants to catch the C-19. So and of course, I finally have masks, real official masks. I was wearing I was wearing something that made me look like Darkman for the first 70. Well, today's day 70. So for the first 60, 66, 67 days, I was running around looking like Darkman with a bandage. But anyway, now I have actual masks that look that I, I go out in the public and people are like, all right, you got with the times. That being said, I'm waiting, 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 looking for updates on where the TV is. I go shopping. I'm on the phone in in the grocery store trying to hurry this up because I'm looking how close is it? How close is it? How close is it? The last thing it says is a town that's far away, but it's delivering and it's coming before nine. And I'm like, all right, cool. I got plenty of time. So then I look and it has a distance meter on the UPS thing. And I'm like, it's getting closer. But the last time I had something delivered, they tell you when they're in the neighborhood, three stops away. First it starts 10 stops away, nine stops away, seven stops away, five stops away. So they're pretty much on the street and it is going up and down the street. It was like, you're the next stop. That shit ain't happened this time. I'm looking at the UPS joint and it's like, I'm home. I'm, I'm in. I'm like, all right. So it's looking like it's close. So it might be in by noon. So I get busy. I start uh, ranting about something on Twitter and it's 1130. And I was like, all right, let me check to see where it is. I check. It was like delivered 1053 a.m. I'm like, wait, what? So you're telling me that my TV was dropped in the lobby 30 minutes ago. And nobody buzzed my goddamn door and I live on the first floor and I can hear the UPS man come in and I see I saw the truck outside. I be God. I get outside. I take three steps and there it is my TV. So I bring it inside. And I'm just like, all right, fine, let me set this TV up. Um, For those of y'all that don't know much about me, I am not electronically or mechanically inclined in any way, shape or form. And these new TVs are kind of sometimes there's a there's a big setup and you need to know the USB, the HDMI, what port goes where, what to do. This shit is pretty much straightforward to avoid surprise and embarrassment. I watched every single YouTube video unboxing for this television, called my brother, uh, asked him what specs were, what this meant, what that meant, because he's the guy that handles all this stuff. My brother and I are like yin and yang. Uh, my mother's hands, you know, you have like uh, designs on your palm. 
my right hand is the same as her right hand. His left hand is the same design as her left hand. So there's always this weird dynamic where what I didn't do, he did. And he's three years younger than me. So when we were kids, we would draw comic. We would do comic books together. He would draw the comic book. I would write it. And I would do the lettering. And we'd come up with the concepts together. When we did production, we were part of a production team. I'd find beats or samples or audio pieces. And he would like flip, chop it or whatever. Uh, when I used to rhyme, he would produce me and he would like tell me, coach me on what stuff worked, what didn't, how, with bars and everything else. He's younger than me. It was very much, our relationship is very much like if you know anything about um, Doom and Subrock. We have a very Doom and Subrock relationship where what I, where we are like halves of a whole. That being said, anything technical or electronic is him. I wasn't a producer producer because when I got around beat machines and equipment and and plugs and all this other shit, I was like, what is this? I see a mess of wires and my brain just shuts off him. He gets it. He figures it out. You can put any beat machine or any any kind of electronic, anything that makes music in front of him and he will figure it out with no need to really look at the instruction booklet because he'll tell you like the instruction booklet was made for people to to make music on it that the person who made this machine didn't intend for us to do with it like Roger Lynn did not make the Lynn drum or any of those machines for hip hop cuz he didn't know that it existed or how it would be utilized so why read the instruction booklet when we're just going to figure out ways around it to get it to do what we want it to do anyway. So that's like where my brother's expertise lies. I say that to say that I set up my TV and everything else and plugged it all in and got it all set up and the Wi-Fi and the connections and the HDMI and the HD and the 4K and yada yada. I had to do all that shit myself, whereas usually I have him for that. He's my guy. I'm somebody that always has like a new laptop, new this, new that, but it has so many extra functions, I never use them. I get a new iPhone, I don't use any of the extra functions. I'm the guy who never used an emoji in his entire life. I'm never going to use the emoji, whatever the fuck it's called, never going to use it. I use words. So I'm, an, I'm a 64-year-old man with new tech. That's pretty much who I am. So I just set up my new TV. It's sitting in my lobby. I'm my lobby. It's sitting in my living room right now. And here's what's crazy, right? We're still in a spot where there's no sports. So ESPN just ran the um the Last Dance 10-part series. They had to do an extra part, you know, 
Because, you know, now they have something to talk about. So they're talking about old shit. They're talking about Michael Jordan and and his role in history and people responding to it. They need something to talk about. The NBA might be coming back. And when can it come back? And states are reopening, but they're reopening too soon because we're getting early reports from places that open too soon. And and how so many people got infected and and Trump's an idiot. What else is new? But... I'm saying this to say that one of the running things is because of Michael Jordan, everybody's being asked what their top five is. This drives me insane. And this has nothing to do with the fact that they asked Paul Pierce what his top five is and he didn't have LeBron and people like, how can you not have LeBron? First of all, the problem with asking anybody what their top five is in anything Is that it's narrow casting the thing, art, culture, history, what have you, whatever you're discussing. Top five worked back in the days. Rap as we know it started in 1977. The first rap records came out in 1979. So in 1988, if you ask somebody, yo, who are your top five? That question makes sense. Because you could be like, uh, Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, uh, Cool G Rap, uh, 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 Ice Cube, and KRS-One. Alright. Mine's is Run from Run DMC. You know, I gotta go with Rakim. Yeah. Um, I gotta go with MC Ren. MC Ren for real, yeah. MC Ren and Ice Cube. All right, so who's that? Who 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 who's your number five? You know, and they'd be like, my number five is like T. La Rock. Like for real? Did you hear T. La Rock's last album? So at that time, a top five made sense. Now we're forty three years removed from the beginning of rap as we know it as 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 an art form. We're more than 40 years removed from the first rap records. And you're going to ask somebody who remembers all of it what their top five is. Top fives work for people that have short memories or very little understanding of something for the most part. Because the more you remember, the more you know, the more you realize there's errors. There's different slots. There's different places you could you could stick people in. There's different, you know, sub sub subcategories like fucking Reddit. And you realize that a top five past a certain time is just nothing but narrow casting. And it's putting yourself in a bad predicament. It's a fool's errand. So when you ask somebody about the NBA and their top five, you can't be... Do you mean of all time? Because what you got to realize is that the NBA starts as the BAA. We're going from 1946, 1947 to 2020. Then you got to realize that the ABA existed. The ABA ran nine seasons from 1967 to 1976. And, these, and those people came into the NBA, right? So we're dealing with 
84, 85 years of professional basketball and you're being asked from your knowledge well to pick five people. Now, if you have a short memory or short understanding, a top five isn't hard. If you're fucking 25 years old and ask you what's your top five, you're like, uh, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, you're good. If you ask a 44-year-old person who played with an ABA basketball, you know, who remembers 77-78 is the first season they watched basketball, you know, remembers Marvin the Human Eraser Webster, Dan Roundfield, Jojo White, John Havlicek, Dave Cowens, you know, remembers when the three-point line was introduced to the NBA, and you ask him, hey, what's your top five? I'm going to stare at you like you have three heads. Top five? To cover 84 seasons of professional basketball? If you don't get the entire fuck out of my face. I did a piece about um, the history of the top five and why it doesn't work anymore past like 1997. And I did it for a magazine uh, called uh, The Stashed, which was owned by uh, Translation. Which is was owned by um, Steve Stout. And I did this article. And that shit got wiped from the internet. It was supposed to be included in um, one of my... In, in the Book of Dart. It got wiped from the internet. I've recovered it. I found it. It's going to be in the Book of Dart 2. Again, I've mentioned I don't know when the Book of Dart 2 is coming. I hope that it would... It'll uh, materialize in by fall 2021. Uh, that's why I'm writing the other book now. So again, now that we're down and a lot of things have been put on hold, I had a podcast series that I was selling. Me and a friend were selling to a company. And that was supposed to get started in May. But that company has seen a lot of um, layoffs. And quite frankly, I don't even know if the person I had to sell it, I, I had as my point person to sell it, is even still there. I, I got to follow up on that. Uh, it's, it's May 22nd. I need to follow up on that because maybe they're going to broach it again in June. I haven't talked to anybody. So that is 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 just is fucked um but i've been lucky to still get work and do different types of jobs and consulting and 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 fact checking and get other work in media but not necessarily in writing because again um a lot of budgets especially for freelancers has dried up and the work I used to get where they knew me and they had my, um, you know, they had my account information and I could write a piece and they'd be like, I send us the, um, send us the invoice. I sent them the invoice and that Friday at midnight, 
that money is in my account, that shit's dead. The last couple of pieces I did, I got that money. That shit, what used to be a net seven job, or sometimes I do the job and I'd get paid for it before it even ran because they knew me like that and I and I always gave them a hell of views. That shit turned net 30 on me. And I'm like, yo, what? I was like, you're lucky I did four jobs in between that time that didn't involve writing. Because otherwise, I'd be chasing you for money. And I never want to do that again. And the thing is that under this pandemic where things have slowed down, a lot of people are taking pay cuts. They're working less. They're working fewer days. But the thing is that a lot of them are in situations where those bills are still the same every month. Those expenses are still the same every month. My expenses are the same every month, but my expenses are fucking low, 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 low. So I'm in a different boat. And I'm extremely lucky and privileged in a sense that I can actually, you know, be okay when a lot of people are doing bad or just hanging on and hoping for some sort of relief. For some odd reason, as things slow down and we're in crisis mode, it's funneled a lot of things where people got to come to me for something. Whereas they could bypass me before, they could overlook me before. Now all of a sudden, hey, yo, um, I got your number from, yo, I got your information from, I'm getting DMs, yo, yo, could you let, yo, could I DM you? Um, could you follow me back? And now I'm getting work. So it's the gift and the curse. It's this weird fucking thing, man. But um, on the other side, what I've been doing lately is I've been doing, like always, I've been doing a lot of research. But I've been doing specific research on this one thing because it has been killing me. First of all. This one thing that I've been doing research on branched out from something else. And I'm going to explain the whole story. Now, as those of you know, uh, maybe uh, 2018, I was part of a W, was a WKCR um, podcast, Lost Notes. And they did an episode called uh, New Editions Neighborhood Secret. That was about New Editions, My Secret, and how they got embroiled in one of the biggest basketball um, rivalries as Boston kids and did a video with the L.A. Lakers as kids from Roxbury. And it caused a huge ruckus in Boston because what are kids from Roxbury who are Celtics fans doing in a got? Damn uh, video with the Lakers at the height of the Celtics Lakers rivalry. And to make matters worse, it's the year 
the Celtics lose to the Lakers. And what happens is New Edition pops up in a video with the Lakers. So I had to figure out exactly the, the exact timeline because they never fleshed it out. And this was driving me fucking insane because I knew that everything came to a head during the finals. So anyway, I'm trying, I was trying to figure all that out. I did figure it out. But in the midst of figuring it out, I unlocked another thing that was blowing my mind. Now, what a lot of you don't know is that early rap records, of course, they came out and some came out in 84 and then more came out in 85. But what you don't know is how hard it is to try to figure out the release date for rap records in 1985. There isn't a lot of documentation. There's not like there's full page ads telling you the release date. So you have to do the an insane amount of sleuthing. You have to uh, go find old radio shows to figure out when songs were played. You have to figure out when singles were released. You have to try to possibly find um, old charts. There was an old magazine called The Hit List that uh, uh, Paradise, Claude Paradise Gray, later of X-Clan, but the owner of um, the Latin Quarter, used to run the Latin Quarter, used to have. And it's like the earliest thing, the earliest uh, piece of like sustained rap publication journalism, like... 85, 84, 85, like, so they haven't been digitized, but I use some of these things to figure out when certain records came out. And one of the things I do is I look at R&R and I look at um, Billboard and then I try to look at other magazines. The problem is that a lot of other magazines don't cover rap albums until months after they come out. So I had the hardest time. And one of the things I stumbled on was. New Edition was doing shows with UTFO. Because UTFO was super hot. They were coming off Roxanne, Roxanne. But they also were incredible live performers. And they were backed by um, Full Force. So they ended up doing shows. That most people are like, yo, how did they get that show? And while doing research on the My Secret thing, I uncovered this, uh, <laughs> I uncovered this review of a Hole and Oates performance. I'm going to, let's see, do I have it here? Oh, here it is. All right. So it's in. The talent in action section, talent section of Billboard. It's the June 15th, 1985 Billboard. I'm going to read it to you. Talent in action. Daryl Hall and John Oates, UTFO, The Apollo, New York. Tickets, $250, $150, $100. <clears throat> On paper, the idea of blue-eyed soul boys... Uh, Daryl Hall and John Oates performing a benefit for the United Negro College Fund at the historic Apollo Theater seemed impressively progressive. 
It was a chance for the super successful duo to return something to the source of their musical roots, the charitable and historic elements. UTFO's witty performance and a surprise encore made the May 23rd event something one felt privileged to witness. However, the impact of the show was undercut by the fact that the twosome appeared a bit too shaken, uh, too taken by their own image. Hall's God Gift to Women poses grew tiresome after song three, while Hall's approach worked better in this intimate setting than at Meadowlands Arena, where Hall and Oates performed recently. His flippant antics were oddly unsoulful, and his self-heralded vocals fell prey to a troubled sound system that had him straining at times. Otherwise, Hall and Oates' performance was enjoyable, with catalog nuggets like Sarah Smile and She's Gone generating a wave of sighs and screams throughout the crowd. A surprise contender in the hour-long set was John Oates, whose lead vocal on the latest single, Possession Obsession, revealed a much better set of pipes than one might suspect from the duo's recordings. As the opening act, UTFO instigators of the Roxanne Roxanne craze made the most of an opportunity. Their authoritative rapping and breakdancing were well suited to the Apollo's goals of developing new talent and made for an entertaining, if unfortunately brief, performance. The show's highlight was an appearance by former Temptations, Eddie Kendricks and David Ruffin, who joined Hall & Oates for a traditional quartet lineup and ran through a medley of Temptations classics, including Get Ready, My Girl, and Ain't Too Proud to Beg, ending things on a riveting note. The ensemble sang Hall's Every Time You Go Away, currently a hit for Paul Young, written by Kim Freeman. So I saw that. And I'm like, yo, wait, UTFO opened for Daryl Hall and John Oates. And I'm pretty sure that show got recorded and ended up on VHS or sold somewhere. So I haven't done that leg of research yet, but it made me wonder. When the fuck did UTFO's first album come out? So I start doing investigation and trying to figure it out and pan things down. Now, this is where things get really annoying. Because when you look at their uh, discography, rap was single-based until probably 1986. And then that's when more records came out. And then 87, 88, that's, then the floodgates opened. So... I'm trying to go through UTFO's catalog at a time they're signed to select records when it's 12 inch after 12 inch after 12 inch after 12 inch. And the album was an afterthought. There were very few rap albums out in 85. There's like the Boogie Boys. You know, there's Houdini. Then you have Curtis Blow, The Fat Boys. Then you have Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, a Run DMC. There's not a lot of rap albums, you know? So when UTFO's album comes out, if you're looking for it, it's going to stand out like a sore thumb. On the top black music charts, which stops at 75. So I find the date that it enters the charts. And I'm like, okay. So now I have to figure out around when it was released. Now, this is when shit gets weird. Now, 
well, recent times, now albums come out on Fridays. Before that, albums used to come out on Tuesdays. And with some labels, they released them on Fridays. Like Def Jam, Columbia, they used to like to release albums on Fridays. They released um, early some early Run DMC albums on Fridays. They released uh, a couple LL Cool J albums on Fridays. They released, uh, I believe, George Michael on a Friday. I think they also believe, uh, released um, Terrence Trent Darby on a Friday. So there was precedent, precedence. Um, but in the early 80s, it was the wild, wild west. If you go to a billboard or a cash box or any other magazine publication, music publication, if you go to the top of the month, and I mentioned this in a previous podcast, and you look for the release dates of albums, they don't go by week. It's not the 4th, the 11th, the 18th, the 25th. It's not the 10th, the 17th, the 24th, the 31st. You get it. I'm talking about weeks. The shit says 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 9, 10, 12, 14, 15, 17, 19, 21, 23, 24. And I'm like, how the fuck did this industry operate like this? Now, as you know that I do research in not just music. When I try to research video games, I'm run up into the same problem because in the early 80s to mid 80s, it was a free for all. Matter of fact, you couldn't even find a release date. You knew the month it was coming out and you would have to call the store or go to the store until it finally showed up. Imagine how much of a fucking headache that is it's coming out in May. When in May, I don't know. You just got to call up the fuck store and go to the store and show up to the store and hope it's there and hope you get there and hope somebody holds you a copy and you get to know the you get to know the employees and the owner. Maybe put down a deposit, make sure you get that game because you don't know how many are coming in. And at the time, it's not like there were a million different uh, places you could buy games. There were usually specialty shops. Computer shops, things like that. I remember this because, again, I'm a child of the 80s and I owned a Commodore 64. My dad was a computer programmer. I remember how, what a fucking hassle it was. I used to get magazines like Computes Gazette and they would not have release dates. It would either say coming soon, tell you the month or in stores now. That's all you got. So when I do research in 84, 85, 86 for like games, it's a fucking disaster. And the biggest reason why it's a disaster is because I don't know if I've mentioned this before in the previous um, episode of Dart Against Humanity, but the video, there was a video game chart that used to be in Billboard. They, there was this thing called the video game crash that happened in 1984. They abandoned the video game chart around February, between February and March, 1985. So they don't track video game sales. They don't track computer game sales. It doesn't have its own page, its own section anymore. It doesn't have a beat anymore. Now, why is this insane? Because in October 1985, 
the Nintendo is released. The Nintendo Entertainment System is released. And if there was a time we needed a motherfucking video game chart, it would be to track the releases of and sales of fucking Nintendo games. Do you are you aware how much that would come in handy to go to Billboard and look and see 1987 when Le- Legend of Zelda first came out, how many units it sold? Did it go gold? Does it have that little dot next to it? Does it have an asterisk next to it? Is it in italics? Is there a diamond next to it? Like there are for um uh, rentals, like there are for um laser discs, like there were for CDs. CDs used to have their own uh separate chart because they were considered luxury items. Now, moreover, it is a pain in the ass because if I want to do research about um I don't know. Uh, how many cabinets did Street Fighter sell in 1987? I have no way to figure that out. If I fucking Google that, I get nothing. No response because there's no source. However, I know for a fact that there was there was a coin-op arcade industry. And if there's a coin-op arcade industry, that, that means that they had a coin-op arcade magazine, a publication that the people who ran arcades used and listened to and they used to communicate with each other who has these fucking magazines who has these issues where are they who's archived them someone had to it's impossible for it not to and another reason why this is crucial is because if we're looking at video gaming in the lens of 1985 to 1990 and why this is such a big deal and why I'm fucking racking my brain. This is not a lie. I promise you, you look this up, this is fact. And this is something I read then and I memorized and I've gone back and I've searched and yes, it's still true. And with my memory, do you really want to try to test me? By 1990 or in 1990, Nintendo became... The biggest and most successful corporation in Japan, surpassing Toyota. Nintendo, the video game company. Famicom, Nintendo, Super Famicom, Super Nintendo. Murdering the game. And we're entering the fourth generation of gaming. If you don't know, previous episode, I believe it's Nintendo versus the fourth generation. Incredible episode of Dart Against Humanity. Sometimes I go back and listen to it. I was like, God damn, I was on fire on that one. Um, I really want y'all to understand that this is the last season of this fucking podcast, man. Um, so another thing, right, is... I see they're releasing the TurboGrafx-16 Mini. Now, I loved the TurboGrafx-16. I was introduced to the TurboGrafx-16 by my younger brother's friend, Kai, also my friend, but he owned one, and 
at the time, the console wars were just heating up. The console wars were like Crips and Bloods. Um, nobody was really rich enough to own multiple consoles. So you made your choice. You made your bed. You lied in it. And you fucking banged for your set. You put in work. I remember cats would, and I mentioned this in the previous episode, I love saying that. Cats would be in the lunchroom, they'd be at the fucking arcade, they'd be out at the court, and they would be going back and forth arguing about fucking specs and games for gaming systems. Which is some nerdy shit, but when it's a bunch of brown kids doing it, they manage to make it the most gangster shit in the world. Man, fuck the Nintendo. I got a Genesis. Man, Genesis got this, got this. You see the graphics on this joint? Y'all don't even have... Y'all, man, 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 these motherfuckers... You got Double Dragon, you can only play with one player. You got to play versus mode. And that's the only time the graphics are any good. And the fucking sprites are jumping off the screen. I mean, damn, even the Sega Master System got two-player fucking um, Double dra- Double Dragon. And, you know, the Sega Master System used to always get thrown under the bus. Always get thrown under the bus. There was one kid in my neighborhood who had the Sega Master System. His name was Chris. Chris lived two streets over from me. I would go over his house and he'd be like, hey, so you want to play a game? Like, what you got? I got just got Rastan. I'm like, oh, you got Rastan? It's like, yeah. So it's like in the arcade. It ain't like the arcade. I'm bored as fuck playing Rastan. I got Zillion the Triformation. I'm like, oh, word. I remember the anime. I played the game. I'm like, this, this shit don't capture my attention. Don't even pull out that Alice Kid bullshit. There were some good games for the Sega Master System. The problem is that it was the Sega Master System. And Nintendo has some trash-ass games, but Nintendo could get by with playability and, and other things, you know? The graphics could be trash, but the game was hella playable, you know? And then there were times when, you know, the Sega Master System had some games that was, you know, nice, but it's the Sega Master System. I got 20 games for Nintendo people want to play. You got three. Big bank. Take little bank. So, yeah. Day 70 in quarantine. Finally got a new TV. But here's the thing. My TV is so big. That I'm looking at the TV, I'm looking at my old stand, and I'm like, I need a new stand. I'm looking at my old stand, and when I changed out my old TV, moved it to my living, and moved it to my room, and put the new TV here, and I look at the stand, I'm like, yo, this stand is old as fuck. I've been in this apartment 20, 21 years this spring. It's spring now. So 21 years I've been in this apartment. And I'm like, how long have I had this fucking stand? This TV stand. This TV stand's been here for like three TVs. I need a new stand. So as soon as I get the new TV, put it on the old stand, I fucking go buy a new stand. 
So that shit's supposed to come by the 27th. It probably won't get here till the 29th or the 30th. And my game just rewinds. So by the time I do this next episode, I'm going to have my new TV on my new stand. And more than likely, they're going to tell me the motherfucker going to come at a certain time. I'm going to be waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm going to be looking around for it. I'm going to be looking at the updates just to find out that motherfucker's in the lobby. So, yeah, man. I don't know if this episode was enjoyable for you, but I've been busy. I've been doing stuff. I've been trying to live life in this, what we call the new normal that ain't normal at all. So, oh, yeah. I did a podcast recently, uh, the Pride of Boston for the Breaking Adams um, podcast. I did that one. I have another podcast that I did recently. Um, I believe it's some um, rap rankings. That one should be out soon. And I'm about to do two more podcast appearances. One with my bo- one with one of my boys from um, going way back. My homie from Detroit. Uh, and then there's another one I'm doing with my dude, uh, G Valentino Ball, uh, conversations with G should be happening. Um, I'm all over the place, man. I'm, 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 I'm everywhere, man. So thanks for hanging with me for this 45 minutes. One.